That was fantastic. What a great way to start a Sunday with sunshine and terrific music and community. My name is Alita. I'm part of the charitable giving team here at Friends Church. And so for those of you who have been coming here for quite a while, I want to say thank you um, for giving and supporting our community. And to those of you who are new, welcome. We have um, next week a river pathway cleanup. It's a great opportunity to get out after the message and help clean up some of our city's river pathways and a chance to meet people, get to know some new folks maybe, and we have a really fun kind of tailgate party um, gathering going on so you can sign up and register for that online and we've started this thing we're bringing back coffee now after covid and chance to gather and build community so we're going to take a quick uh, three minute coffee break i invite you to shake somebody's hand get to know somebody new fill up your cup and um, we'll come back to some more music thanks thanks adam just listening to you do that Dylan tune, man. I thought, man, we got our own Chris Stapleton right here in our own place, hey? That was great. Thanks, buddy, for your take on the topic this morning. I loved it. Yeah, we're in a resentment series, talking about the ways that we deal with the hurts and unresolved wounds of our lives, and a lot of it is not that constructive. This morning, I'm taking another run at this. I'm going to begin with a story, though. Um... And perhaps you have a story like this too, but I, I grew up, I, was a, uh, I had a good friend. He was such a great guy. Um, between grades seven and nine, uh, that's when his family lived in Calgary. And so we, I got to know him really well. He showed up at our school one day and he's this good looking guy, easy going, great athlete, smart. I could go on with about 14 categories, man. That guy was hitting straight A's in. And I really liked him. But after a while, as a friend, I started finding myself a little annoyed by this kid doing everything well. You know? (laughs) Does anyone have any friends like that or enemies? Like this guy... Then, then, then to top it off, grade eight, like he was only a little bit taller than me at the time, but then grade nine, he, he comes back to school after the summer and he's like this giant. I'm like, holy crap. Then the comparison starts, well, all that kind of stuff. But it was like, this guy was an incredible, just good at so much. And I, I, I kind of was, a, I remember, especially in grade nine, being conflicted because he wasn't really doing ever anything to hurt me. He was a great friend. He would do anything for me, but I resented him. I resented his success. I hated the fact that, you know, he started dating the girl I had a crush on. He didn't know it, but it's like, well. Like every time I turned around, he was, I'd be happy about my grade. I'd see his. I'm like, oh, frick. Every one of his successes ended up stinging me a little bit. Have you ever felt that? It's like when someone has something good happen to them and it actually hurts you, even though it has nothing to do with you. It's 
a weird thing, isn't it? It's not like I was even losing in life. It's not like I was suffering. It's just that he was winning again and again. Now, I'm embarrassed to say this, but he was, he was like one of my best friends. But there were moments when he wasn't around and people started talking about him. And that it was always like, good things. I would kind of taint the water a little bit. Man, that kid's a, he is so smart. Yeah, well, his mom is a teacher, you know. I'm wondering how much she does for him. I had, I had my little lines to kind of dig, dig, and they'd go, oh, really? I didn't know that. I'm like, well, didn't hear from me, but. Oh, that guy, man, he is just the nicest guy. Well, you should see him at home. Holy. Really? Mm -hmm. I would find any which way I could to just knock him down a little in the eyes of others. And every time I did, this is the sickest thing, every time I did, and I could watch in the eyes of people them kind of going through this little It felt good. It just felt like, ah, that just feels good. Is that not a little bit twisted? Have you ever done that? Have you ever felt that way towards someone where there's just this, it's not like they were doing anything necessarily to hurt you. It's just that they were doing better. Maybe it was a person who got accepted to the school that you wanted to get in so badly to. The couple that got pregnant while you and your partner were struggling to. Maybe it's a family member who can just do no wrong in the eyes of everyone. Like I, I remember uh, this guy, it was his brother-in-law that got the better of him, man. His brother-in-law was just Mr. Knight in shining armor. When he showed up at the family gatherings, everyone was like, ooh, man, this guy. And it drove this cat that I knew crazy. And it was weird. Every time we, well, it seemed like every time we'd be in conversations and his brother-in-law's name would come up, I could almost watch his demeanor. Just, it was just, he was annoyed by it. And it was only a matter of time before he would turn that conversation to somehow pointing out some negative thing about his brother-in-law. Do you have someone that just gets under your skin for whatever reason? Because you know, like, if you look at it, they're just maybe in your mind privileged. They just have it better. They have control. They have power. They have influence. They have affluence, whatever it is. And it just... Sometimes it happens with people you don't even know personally. It's a type of person who has a lot going on for them and you just resent them. Sometimes it's a celebrity type. It's a politician. It's some kind of community leader. Just, it's funny, all that, you know, certain topics come up and someone says, oh, I hate that guy. I go, oh, really? Yeah, just, 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> I go, wow, you hate them, but you don't know what it is. Huh. Sometimes you dig down, and there's a little of this going on. Came to a point with my friend where little things that I was saying was kind of coming full circle, and I was so ashamed. Because that was the last thing I ever wanted to do was hurt him. But man, I tell you, starting to, like, he would look at me and he would say, why would you say that? And I mean, I'm in grade nine. I haven't even thought about half the stuff that I do instinctually. It was one of the first times I ever had to kind of go, I think I'm just jealous. I think I'm envious. I think I wish I was you sometimes. Why is it that we often take such pleasure in attacking those who are doing well? What does it actually achieve to subject someone to savage criticism and scrutiny? We've been exploring these resentments, the different ways that we react to our resentments, the things that we do. In the last couple of weeks, we've explored blame. That's one way that we can deal with our resentment towards someone or our resentments about life in some way. We can just, we can turn it externally and we can blame other people for what's happened to us, the pain, the hurt, the frustration, just the way life has turned. Avoiding any kind of public personal scrutiny. Second week, last week, Vince talked about the role of shame. That's another way we deal with resentment. Some will just internalize everything and say, whatever this bad thing that has happened in my life, or this sense of injustice, or this, or, or, or this frustration I have with where I'm at in life, it is my fault. It's all a, something I caused. That's the role that shame can play. Again, is it helpful to dealing with resentments? No. In fact, it gets in the way. We talked about that last week. Today, I want to explore another way that we deal with our resentments and wounding, and that is this tendency to criticize and to pull down those around us who, for whatever reason, are just doing a little better or a lot better. It's a response that is as old as the hills. Last week, Vince talked about Cain and Abel, two brothers. In the story, one, they both bring kind of these offerings that they're offering up to the character God. And God seems to look at Abel and he says, love what you brought me, pal. And Cain, mm, not so much. And what that did to Cain, so we talked about that. And the story kind of turns where Cain is so angry at his brother not that his brother is trying to hurt him, but that his brother did something better. And what does he do? He kills him. I was thinking 
this week about a guy named Joseph in the Bible. Not Mary and Joseph, Joseph, but Joseph, one of the sons of Israel. He was among 12 brothers. And Joseph was just kind of the golden child. He just seemed to have the eye of his, his daddy. Now, all his brothers weren't his actual full-blooded brothers. Most of them were half-brothers. So that creates a bit of a dynamic, doesn't it? But he was one of the younger brothers. And the Bible says that he kind of had a way of kind of watching what his brothers were doing and kind of ratting them out when they're doing something wrong. Joseph wasn't the kind of brother that everyone wanted to love. Let's put it that way. He was a snitch, at least early on. And man, when you get that rap, people don't want you around. And his brothers, they didn't like him. Well, and then you add to that, his brother has kind of takes a shining. He buys him this nice coat. And so Joseph struts around with this fancy coat. His brothers are just like, screw you, man. You annoy me. Then one day, I mean, if, if things weren't were bad already, Joseph has this dream. And he dreams that one day he is this this leader, and all the nations of the world are bowing down to him. Oh, man, there's a dream you want to tell everyone, especially your jealous brothers. <laughs> so sure enough, he, I don't know if he's just tone deaf or what, but he wants to go and tell his brothers his latest, his, his latest dream. And that just riles them up. It's like, can you imagine, though, for a second, and maybe you've even experienced this, where you're the kid Maybe you're the sibling, you're the son or the daughter that just can't seem to catch the break, can't seem to do the right thing. It's always saying the wrong thing or never doing enough or not doing the right thing like Johnny, like Joseph. And that feeling of powerlessness, just like, what the frick do I need to do, dad, to get your attention to me? What What do I have to say to just get you to say you love me? Why is it you look at him so you can imagine the resentment. One day Joseph shows up and his brothers have had it. They see him coming and they say, let's take him out. Guys are saying, let's kill him. That's how deep the resentment was. So they throw him in a pit, but that, uh, that didn't really sit right with all of them. So they, well, they say, oh, let's, let's do something a little kinder. Let's sell him into slavery. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy to me. Anyways, they do. They literally save him, sell him to some slave traders. And he gets hauled into Egypt, faraway land, never to be seen again. They cook up a story for their dad. They say, man, he's been killed by a wild animal. Really sorry, dad. These kind of stories are loaded through the Bible. This is a trait. This is an, a, a tendency, and an instinctual reaction of humanity. That when we see other people that are rising to the top in different ways, there is a sense of, I just don't like that it's you and not me. And I want to take you out. I want to knock you down. Nietzsche, he was a famous German philosopher. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was a cultural critic back in the uh, mid-1800s. Lived to just the turn of the century, the 19th century. He had invested a large part of his life observing these kinds of patterns. 
human behavior. He had some very interesting thoughts on what we'd now call kind of herd mentality, herd culture. In his observations, he, he kind of drew out some categories that he seemed to see people fall into. They're pretty big and broad categories, but he described them as the master or the higher beings, higher humans, and the herd. The higher beings is what he would call the noble ones. These were the ones that, for whatever reason, just kind of lived in their own world. They, they had their dreams. They had their aspirations. They were driven. They went after things. They weren't scared to stand alone. They weren't scared to stand out. They would chase after stuff, take risks. They were often the leaders of society, often people that would take the bull by the horn and start up business and lead causes. They weren't scared of people disagreeing with them and not liking them. They didn't care. In fact, Nietzsche said the higher man or woman remained oblivious often to the petty concerns of the herd around them. They didn't care. They're going places. They have busier, they have things to do. But this herd is this other category, and he broke the herd into two particular kind of archetypes that he saw in people. One he calls the last man. He would just say, this guy, this person is kind of your typical lazy or contemptible person. He calls them the quintessential mediocre person. Strives solely for comfort and contentment in life. Doesn't need to be the leader of the pack. Doesn't even care if he's, he's coming last in the race. He's just hanging out, man. Let's just, let's, just, let's just all be happy and hang, can we? Very few creative urges within this person. Just happy if he doesn't have to think too hard. Tell him what to do, he'll do it. He'll fall in line. And then, so that's the last man. And then he said, I see this other type of what he calls the slave. Interesting categories. But he would say this slave is filled with what he called resentment. He, he would describe the slave as a kind of a weak, sickly human being who suffers from himself and is filled with this resentment. He defines resentment as this festering hatred of life caused by feelings of impotence in the face of an external reality that he feels is overpowering or threatening him. The slave is just angry because he can never seem to get a break, can never rise above, always under the thumb, someone else, always coming second or eighth or last, and it bothers him or her. There's this resentment. There's this anger at those that seem to always move ahead. The slave feels like a victim, powerless to get to head of the class. So these are kind of categories that Nietzsche observed as he watched people. He says, you seem to have these higher beings that are just doing their thing, oblivious, and then you have these others that kind of fall in a different category. And he said, what's interesting is, yeah, there's, there's resentment toward these, this 
class of human that seems to just go. And there's all kinds of different ways that we can react, he would say, as slaves, as last men. We can gossip about them. We can criticize them from our armchairs. We can engage in passive-aggressive behavior to kind of mess with them because we don't like what they're achieving or where they're going. But he said one particular way that we can deal with the higher man when you're not in that class is something he called herd or slave morality. This is when you begin to point out things that these winners in life are doing. And you do it in a way that you kind of draw out kind of moral conclusions. Use bad and good, evil and good categories. You develop your own set of morals where you say, well, what we're doing is right. What they're doing is wrong. Oh, look at him. Oh, yeah, he's so driven. Oh, he's such a good business. She's such a good business person, but yeah, she's a workaholic. She doesn't value her family. Us, however. Come here, son. You can see how much we love our family compared to that family. Oh, they're good looking and beautiful. Yeah, well, they're vain. They're narcissists. They're all about the image, not us. Look at me. Oh, they're wealthy? Yeah, greedy. Out of touch, the everyman. Lower class, true humility. Mm-hmm. Nietzsche says this herd morality was a strategy that is often employed to make people that fall into these different categories feel better about themselves. Simple. Just honoring their morals that contrast themselves from these people who they feel are the winners. What's fascinating, and I won't, I won't spend much time here, but is the way that he takes aim at Christianity. Nietzsche. He, he says that many of the morals and values prescribed in the Bible, specifically, like he looks at Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught, one of his most famous messages. He says, you want herd morality, there it is. He says, here you are, passages like this, Jesus, Jewish peasant, under the thumb of the Romans, written to a people who had very little power or influence in their society. And here's Jesus saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who suffer. So, Nietzsche's mind, he's going, all you're doing is turning the table. And then what does Jesus say later? Oh, it's easier for a, rich, uh, easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. Nietzsche says, come on. You guys have simply, the early Christian movement was born out of this resistance toward these people that were above them, to the Romans. And they just demonized everything they were doing. Well, I grew up in the Christian tradition. I don't know if I take that criticism kindly. I'm not certain that that's what Jesus was necessarily doing. I think the principles, the upside-down principles that Jesus was presenting was not necessarily that. But if I look 
at some of what Nietzsche's saying, I'm going, yeah, I can see why you say that. And I can see this herd morality going on all over the place. It is real. This is our way. This is a common way we can deal with our resentment is by villainizing those that have more than us. We hate people that are moving ahead. Man, all you have to do is go on social media, right? Go on Twitter and watch some of the innovators that are getting out there and shaking and moving and trying stuff and risking stuff and just read the comments and watch the armchair critics criticizing every little thing they can about these people that are stepping out there doing crazy things. Now, I'm not no pop culture, you know, expert, but I look around and I watch, like, and forgive me if you don't know some of these names, but like a, a Jake Paul, all right? He's, a, he's this YouTube, YouTuber turned boxer. And everyone's saying he's not even a real athlete, but he starts boxing and he starts winning, challenging all these celebrities. Oh man, everyone's a hater of Jake Paul. But this kid has built this incredible following. He's done all these crazy, but man, I'm telling you, the hatred for this guy that could step out and try something like this. A Joe Rogan. Love him or hate him. Here's a guy that steps out there and he's just beaten. I, I, I know few guys that are just doing what he wants. He's talking to the people he wants. He's talking about the things he wants to talk about. And he says again and again, I don't listen to what anyone says about me. I'm doing my thing. That is, that is higher being master mentality as a whole. He says, I will post stuff on social media and I run. I don't give a rip what anyone says about me. I'm just, I'm just doing it. And he doesn't care. And that guy has innovated podcast before anyone ever knew what a podcast was. That guy showed up on the scene and built it. But he's the first, he's the first one to say, there are millions that are dying to eat your lunch every time you step out and say anything innovative, anytime you want to take the lead, anytime you want to try hard. He says, get ready, because people hate when people step out. That's what herd culture hates. And I'm telling you, I hate the fact, if I'm, if I'm really honest, how often I fall into this. There are people that are annoying me, and I don't even know why they're annoying me. And I join the mob in the criticism. You ever do that? Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's envy. I just start contrasting almost self-righteously how different I live my life by someone else. I'm not even sure what I'm trying to achieve by it. But I know this. If I can do it right, I just feel a little bit better in the moment about myself. Nietzsche says this herd mentality, it leads to mediocrity and meaningless lives. They're void of true expression and impact. 
But more than anything, it nurses hidden resentments. It nurses hidden resentments. I just want to stop for a second and, and say, you know, sometimes these influencers, sometimes these powerful people in life, sometimes these people that rise to different places in society, sometimes they're bad actors. Sometimes they abuse their power. Sometimes they lord over people. Jesus was pretty clear in pointing out. He says, we got some bad actors here. And they're abusing people. So sometimes there is a need for what some would call stepping out and speaking to the powers of society. Sometimes you're not just being heard. You're not just being the last man or the slave working in that, but you're actually calling out someone that is in a place of power and saying, what you're doing here is wrong. How you're treating people is wrong. So there is, just hear me out, there is a need sometimes to speak out and sound almost like you're angry or resentful towards someone that's doing things. I get that. That's not today. That's not today's topic. We're not dealing with bad actors today. How many know just because someone ends up in favorable places in our society doesn't make them evil or wrong or bad? So I'm, I'm talking about those people that aren't trying to lord over. They're not trying to abuse people by their power or their affluence or their influence. I'm talking people that have just done well or been lucky or whatever and ended up in these great places. And we're left with the resentment of seeing them there. What do you do with that? I... I I've been thinking about this. If you're in a position where you feel like you're kind of under it, how do you feel less resentful towards someone? I'm not sure, but I'll tell you this. If you can see it, if you can see why that person gets under your skin, I think you're almost 90% of the way there. Because I think most of this resentment hides under the surface. Most of us, that live in that state of being bothered by certain people around us. That resentment never gets far enough to the surface for us to really see how insidious that thing is. We just engage in talk and behavior, thinking we're solving something, but all we're doing is we're cloaking the resentment through our attempts to punish others. Let me ask you something. Is there a person or a group of people right now that you go, this particular individual or this kind of individual or this political group or this leader or this boss of my company, is there someone that you can say, man, I just, I, I got something going on and it brings out some kind of reaction in me. Could you identify? Where does it happen in you? And with, with who? What kind of scenarios draw it out of you? Who is it you struggle to watch succeed? And before you're quick to point out all the whys 
of that. Let me just ask you something. What could that be saying about you? Before we just start employing week number one and blaming them for why we're so angry and, and pointing all the reasons why they shouldn't have or be where they are, before we even go there, can we just ask, why am I so bothered by that? Because if you can kind of look inside, sometimes in a very honest moment, what you can conclude is that maybe, maybe you just wish that some part of what their experience is was yours. Or perhaps they stand in the way of you getting your way. Perhaps their value is a different value than yours, and that's really just simply what bothers you. I think getting to the heart of today's topic starts with that very honest introspection, asking why does that person's success or position or power or influence, why does that get me so much? Is there a person that you know that just, just the fact that they get dressed up and wear the bright lipstick and the, put themselves out there, you go, what's her problem? She's always drawn attention to herself. How about that keener at work that just shows up early, stays late, and all the coworkers in the office are all grumbling, like someone's got to clue that guy in. That's not how it works around here. Brown noser. Is there someone who's taken their fitness seriously lately and it's bothering you posting those pictures? Who do they think they are? Hmm. Someone who's had some recent financial success, material success. Someone who's been promoted someone who's retiring early. Who's your person? Who, where could your resentment be directed in your own life right now? When you can spot it, you are 90% of the way there. Can I just ask you something? What would our world look like if we were aware of how we do this? Before I just start dropping comments about my best friend toward other people? What if I could see what I was about to do? Recognize how much it could hurt. How lacking in constructive nature that is. How much I'm avoiding just dealing with my own disappointments by trying to punish someone else? Man, if I, how different our world could be if I could just stop before I say it and go, oh no, this isn't about that person. This is me. Jarvis, you just wish that was you. <laughs> Don't do that. 
They don't need that. They didn't ask for that. You know, that's the thing about this kind of resentment. When you can square off with it, when you can see it, it's amazing how you diffuse it. When you can look and say, that's really what's going on. I'm bummed. I'm bummed that she was the favorite child. I'm bummed that he just seems so much smarter. He does that so easily. And I don't. That woman makes money. I don't know how she does that, but she just, I wish I had that. Look at all the way the family deals with that guy. I, you pick these things, if we could see it before it turns ugly. Can you imagine how different our world would be? What if instead we could actually look at these resentments and go, yeah, I didn't get that. And somehow begin to uproot some of this stuff so that when we see our best friend doing well, we're the, we're the ones going, did you hear about him? Did you hear what he did last week? The stories are so sad what resentment does, even within families. Parents who are resentful toward their own kids. Success. Relationships. And they turn and they treat their kids so mean. Can you imagine a world that would look at it and say, what am I doing? That's... Where does it reside in your life? Can you see it? And may you this week, may you be willing to move in the opposite direction. May you be willing, rather than lobbing that grenade into that group of people that are trying to, that mob, that herd, they're trying to take down that person, may you be the one that says, ah, guys, let's talk about something else. That's old. Whether you just steer away from it or you look at it and you say, I'll tell you why I don't want to join in that conversation because it's not constructive. And the truth is, I think, here's why I would want that because I don't like the fact that that's not me. Can you imagine having that conversation? I don't know what your week will look like. I don't know what it would look like for you to move in the opposite direction of your resentment. But I'm telling you, if you will this week, you will bring something beautiful to your world. And I pray you will. Let's live with a little less resentment, shall we? Let's be aware of the times that we're trying to just hurt people because we're not liking the fact that they got what we don't. Let's do that. All right. That's it. Next week. Next week, I'm uh, coming back. I'm, I'm talking about um, some of the big uh, disappointments in life when it just seems like things way, way beyond our control go sideways. And I know that many in this room have felt life take a hard turn. And we're not talking someone's done it. It's just life. So we're going to talk through the resentment that comes from that. All right? You'll want to join us. Look, at, you don't have to uh, leave right away if you don't want. Stick around, chat, mix it up, mingle, or get outside and enjoy the sunlight. So happy you joined us this morning. Let's get out and have a great week.